NBA on NBC. The 1998 up, NBA everybody? Finals. This is Jim Mylock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not you're going to call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're talking about former Raiders cornerback Lester Hayes and whether or not he should be in the Football Hall of Fame. And joining us in just a moment, discuss Hayes' career and Hall of Fame candidacy, is the host of the podcast Real Talk and contributor to Just Blog Baby, Kenny King Jr. But before I bring Kenny on, let's talk a little more about Lester Hayes. So Lester Hayes is someone who played from 1977 to 1986. So he retired quite a long time ago. He retired before I was even born, actually. And he was someone who was a finalist for the Hall of Fame in the early 2000s, but never got on the hump to actually get in. So now it is up to the senior committee to get him in. He is actually a semifinalist right now for that senior committee that votes. And on July 27th, they're actually announcing the 12 finalists. So very shortly this week, we will know if Lester Hayes is a finalist this year. During his time with the Raiders, he was a five-time Pro Bowler. He was AP First Team All-Pro once. And of course, he won two Super Bowl championships with the Raiders. He was also the 1980 NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And he's only one of six cornerbacks to ever win that award. And that's when he had one of the best defensive seasons any player's ever had and arguably the best season a corner's ever had. Where in 1980, he had 13 interceptions, 273 interception return yards, a touchdown, and a sack. And that 13 interception is just one off the mark that Dick Night Train Lane set in 1952 when he had 14 interceptions. And there's only two other guys that have ever gotten 13. They both played, you know, pre-1951. Uh, Speck Sanders in 1950 and... Dan Sandifer in 1948. So really, he has the modern-day record. Um, no one really has ever gotten close. Uh, Trevon Diggs had 11 last year, and that was a ton. And again, that was in a 17-game season now. Um, you know, with an extra game, maybe someone will get near there. But Lester's 13 might stand as the modern-day record, you know, moving forward. And to, to top it off, in that 1980 season, he actually had five interceptions, a touchdown, two sacks in the playoffs that year. So for the entire year, 18 interceptions. Over the course of his career in the playoffs, he had eight career interceptions, which is good for fifth all-time. He also had two return touchdowns in the playoffs and two sacks. For his entire regular season career, he had 39 interceptions, 572 interception return yards, and four interception return touchdowns. The guy found the end zone. So Kenny and I had a lot of fun on this episode talking about Lester. There's a lot to dissect about his career and whether or not we think he should get in the Hall of Fame. So with the quick facts out of the way, let's bring on Kenny. All right. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, the host of the podcast, Real Talk, and contributor to Just Blog Baby, Kenny King Jr. Kenny, how are you doing today? Good, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So today's topic, it's it's very top of mind, too, I think, for Raiders fans out there because his name has been in the news recently. But today, Kenny and I are talking about the Hall of Fame candidacy and career of Lester Hayes, who, of course, played all 10 of his seasons in the NFL for the Raiders. He had a stint, of course, when they were in Oakland, and they moved over to L.A., and he followed them there. And he won two Super Bowls with them. And he played from 77 to 86, 
And today we're talking about his Hall of Fame candidacy. I say he's in the news because he was actually just elected to be a semifinalist for the senior committee for the 2023 Hall of Fame class. Now, he was on the ballot for many years. Of course, he retired a very long time ago. And he was a finalist on the on the ballot uh, uh, several times in the 2000s. But as you know, his career faded further and further you know, away, he kind of got a lot less love on the ballot where near the end when he was a modern day ballot, he was a semifinalist. So now he's up to the Veterans Committee. He is now a semifinalist for the Senior Committee. Um, and, and that's how he'll have to get in. And, and what Kenny and I do today, we'll walk through his career, kind of his case for the hall. And at the end, Kenny and I will both talk about you know whether or not we think he should be in so Kenny the first thing I want to ask you today when someone brings up Lester Hayes if you hear his name in a, in a bar or a restaurant what's the first thing that's come to your mind first thing that comes to my mind is just you know the nickname Judge Hayes and you know when Lester was on the field Lester was in court and he basically held court out there um now everybody the first thing a lot of people think of is stick him you know, they, they see the stick him dripping off his hands. There's the infamous picture of, of him with the cup stuck to his hand. Uh, but the stick him is it's more than that, because at that time, in, that time in the league, everybody was using it. You know, Cliff Branch was using it. Jerry Rice even said that he had used it. Um, Fred Bolitnikoff was using it. But, you know, Lester was so famously known for it because it wasn't just on his hands. It was on his jersey. It was on his legs. It was on his arms. I mean, so that that stick him is, is synonymous with him. And you know, they created the, the Lester Hayes rule because of that. Yeah, and, and I think the stick him on. I, I would say, I was going to say unfairly or not. I think it's pretty unfair. I think that gets held against him a lot. Um, yeah. You know, you know, he, he had his, and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit, but he had, I would say his best season, I think right before that rule got enforced. And as you said, it was legal when he was using it. It's not like he was sneaking in on his hands or his uniform. It was very clear. I mean, it was all over him. It was clear mm-hmm. he was doing it. And like Fred Billikoff, he, that's his teammate. He's in the hall of fame. He was using it. He taught him to use it. It didn't, I, I feel like with Hayes, that is used against him so much just because he was the poster child of it. But I don't think it's comparative to like in baseball steroids or anything like that. He used it when it was legal. When it wasn't legal, he took it off. And he still had a very good, you know, his career was still very good after that. He made all pro teams after that. He won a Super Bowl after that. It's not like he just fell off a cliff, but it seems to be, when I talk with anyone about Lester Hayes in the Hall of Fame, the stick-up thing is the only thing. It's almost like that's the only thing you think of him, and he was so much more than that. It, it, I think it's pretty unfair. I believe I believe so, too. I think that a lot of people try to hold that against him, and I think, I think that's the case that a lot of people have said that he can't make it, and it is unfair. I mean, you look at how many other guys have, like I said, how many other guys have used it. And like you said, steroid era in baseball – that was that's completely different or you look at you know a guy like pete rose who you know the reason why he's not in the hall of fame is because he was betting on games like that is completely unrelated to to that so i think that those are the things that that kind of are frustrating about you know making the case for lester is that that's the only thing that's not getting him in yeah so kenny i want to shift to our next segment here we call this that memorable moment That memorable moment is brought to you by StatHead, the proud sponsor of Pot of Fame. StatHead is the industry standard tool for finding and analyzing the statistical history of your favorite sport. It's what the front offices use of pro teams. It's what journalists use. It's what podcasts use. It's definitely what Pot of Fame uses. And right now, Pot of Fame listeners have access to a special offer 
where you can get $20 off. Yes, $20 off an annual subscription to StatHead, which if you break it down for just one single sport, that comes out to just $5 a month for a StatHead subscription. It's a must. I used it for this episode a thousand different times. One of the fun things I learned was, again, Lester Hayes is one of only six cornerbacks to win Defensive Player of the Year. He won in 1980. The other Defensive Player of the Year to win the award at corner were Mel Blunt, Stephen Gilmore, Deion Sanders, Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson. All-time greats, right? Maybe not Stephen Gilmore, but the others, all-time greats. But what did I learn using Stathead? That the year they won the Defensive Player of the Year award, Lester Hayes had more interceptions in the playoffs that year than all five of those other guys did combined. Yes, Lester Hayes had five interceptions in 1980 in the playoffs where all the others combined for just three. That is how dominant Lester Hayes was that year. So again, that promo code, that special offer code, it is FAME at checkout. You can get $20 off an annual subscription. Now let's go to that memorable moment. And we can be very liberal here. I'm going to say to you, like, it can be a single play you saw, a game, an entire season. If you had to say this was Lester Hayes' most memorable moment, what would you say it would be? I would go, uh, see, December 1980, uh, Raiders versus the Oilers. Um, Lester Hayes, face, Ken Stabler comes back, faces the Raiders after getting traded. Um, so Ken Stabler was part of the the trade that sent my dad and, and Dan Pastorini to the Raiders and sent Jack Tatum and Ken Stabler to the Oilers. The Raiders play the Oilers. Uh, Hayes had a sack on Stabler and two interceptions. The Raiders won that game. That would be probably the, I would say, the, the defining Lester Hayes moment. Yeah, and that was, so 1980 in general, That that's his defining moment in that game. Yeah. That season, though, I, I was taking a look at this, Kenny, and I might be getting, I might be going out of control here a little bit. I, 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 was, I told you I was out in San Diego earlier. I'm still kind of, I feel like getting back to speed, recovering from that weekend. But I was really taking a look at this week. So that 1980 season, he wins NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He's one of only six cornerbacks to ever win that award, right? <laughs> 13 interceptions. That's the most anyone has had since, you know, no one's had 13 interceptions since. And the record's 14 by Dick Knight Train Lane, but that was in 52. He got 14. And the people tied with Lester both played like in 1950, 1948. So 13 interceptions in a season is the modern record. Mm -hmm. So he does that in the regular season. Then in the playoffs, Raiders win the Super Bowl, but on the way to the Super Bowl, five interceptions, a return touchdown, two sacks. So he has nine, or he has, um, I'm sorry, 18 interceptions for the course of 1980. It's the most ever in a season, if you include season, postseason. I was really looking through, like, some of the best seasons ever put together by any cornerback in history. I mean, I was looking at Deion Sanders' best seasons, Rod Woodson, Charles Woodson, anyone I could find. I started, I started to look at it. I was like, is this the best season ever from start to finish, ends in a Super Bowl, of a cornerback in NFL history? Do you think I'm – out of bounds saying that, or do you think that actually is at least in play that Lester Hayes in 1980 had the best season of any cornerback in NFL history? Oh, no doubt. I think that he definitely did. And I think that, you know, a lot of people say that maybe I'm biased because I'm a Raider fan, but you're saying it too. And so, you know, it's, 
it's not out of bounds. I think that, you know, the fact that it hasn't been replicated in all these years, you have all these great corners and I'm not taking anything away from like the Jalen Ramsey's and Patrick Peterson's or the Daryl Revis's or even Charles Woodson, you know, this was the greatest single season for a cornerback in the history of football. And the fact that he did it, went on to win a Super Bowl and, and did all of these accolades afterwards, it just kind of further cements onto his Hall of Fame career. And it just makes a bigger case for him to make to make it into the Hall of Fame for me. Yeah. So our next segment, Kenny, we call this and twins. I love quarterbacks eating dirt. Pom-poms and short skirts. Fans who won't quit. And those twins. And what we try to do here is we look at the Hall of Fame today, everyone in it, and we go, who is the closest to being Lester's twin? And this could be the stats they put up. It can be the, the style of play, how they played, or it can just be like, you know what, when I look at Lester or I look at so-and-so, this guy reminds me of him. Who do you say Lester Hayes' twin is? I would say... I would say the most comparable player to Lester Hayes, there's a couple. So, and it's, you can't really say one player because there's no one player who plays like Lester. There's a lot of players who have attributes of Lester. And I would say, you know, you take a Dick, Dick Knight train lane, you take a, a Marcus Peters, um, you throw in a little bit of Jalen Ramsey, you throw in a little bit of Charles Woodson, um, you throw in a little bit of Mike Haynes because he has, they, they all have those attributes. And I think that it's unfair to say there's one player to be, like Lester because there's not. And, you know, you think about it, Lester was brought into the Raiders as a safety and John Madden said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to take you from safety and we're going to move you to corner. And that brought Lester to tears because he didn't really know what was going on. And John knew what he was doing, you know, rest of soul. John knew what he was doing and put, put Lester at corner. And then you add Mike Haynes to that defense and you add, you know, two of probably the greatest corners you know, I'd say top two of the top five corners that the Raiders have had in their entire in the entire history of the organization on the on the field at the same time, that defense was unstoppable. And so when you look at a guy like Lester Hayes, you can't say, you know, this guy, this is his exact twin. I can't say that, but I can say that this guy has a little bit of that. You know, you look at the way that Marcus Peters plays press and you look at the way that Charles Woodson and Mike Haynes and, and Rod Woodson cover. You look at the, the physicality of Rod Woodson. You look at the, you know, the physicality of Dick Night Train Lane, the, the hands of, of Night Train. Um, and so you take all those attributes and then you've got a Lester Hayes. Well, that you, that combination of people, those are all very old time greats for the most part outside of Marcus Peters, who's an excellent corner today. So it's, it's a very good, you know, name to include among all of those. And you did bring up his teammate, who, I, who I'm glad you did, Mike Haynes, who, of course, they won the super, the second Super Bowl together um, later in the 80s, I think 83 or 84. 83. Um, one of the better corner combos of all time, like I was really thinking through like two kind of shutdown corners on either side. Would you go as far? I, I already went pretty far earlier, but would you also go as far to say that Haynes, Hayes and Haynes are the best corner combo on the same team in, in at least recent history. Cause no one's really come to mind. Like, I mean, Haynes is already in the hall of fame. We're talking about Lester as a semifinalist for the senior committee right now. Those are two lockdown guys. Is there any other combo that really comes to mind that kind of compares to them? No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, long answer short. No, there's not. They, they literally are the best combo 
uh, I would say of all time, possibly that, you know, you have two guys that one should be in the hall of fame. One is in the hall of fame. And, you know, when it goes, when it's all said and done, both will be in the hall of fame and that, that, that defensive backfield is just one of the greatest of all time. And as we said, right, Haynes is already in, and that guy should be nine time pro bowler, two time APL pro. If you and, and maybe it's an easy answer. I'm I'm not a Raiders fan by any means. I can watch old film, but I wasn't alive for these guys, so I can't say like I saw these guys play in the gridiron. But is there a big gap between their ability in terms of Haynes and Lester? Would you say they're almost like exactly the same type of guy, or was Haynes far and above better than Lester? So him getting in the Hall, hall of Fame almost immediately made a lot of sense, but Lester waiting, you know, does it? Like, is there a big gap, or are they pretty similar? They're pretty similar. And I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. I think that, that that part of it is is right there. I think that, you know, one like, you know, and I hate to say this, but one of the things that's hold, that holds Lester back is the Raiders bias. And, you know, it's it's quite evident that there's a Raiders bias in the National Football League. I mean, the fact that, you know, Cliff Branch doesn't get in until until uh, this year. Um, Ken Stabler doesn't get in until he passes away. I mean, there's there's so many things out there. I mean, look at, you know, you look at Tom Flores, who just got in last year. You know, Tom Ford is the first Latino head coach to win two Super Bowls the, as a coach. Um, the first Latino coach in the National Football League, the the, the accolades that he has. Um, and so there's definitely a Raiders bias. And I think that, you know, the the whole Al Davis first, the NFL thing really soured the NFL. And it kind of made them look at the way that they the voters look at way that, the way they vote. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, I think that that's what holds a lot of people back on Lester and they'll, they'll stay, they'll say stick them, you know, because it's, it's good for press because nobody's really going to come out there and say, well, we're not voting because we hate the Raiders. But I <laughs> yeah. mean, I think if you look at, I think if you look at the the history of the hall of fame, I think if you look at the history of some of the Raiders scheduling, uh, I think if you look at the, the history of penalties against the Raiders, I think if you look at some of the games called against the Raiders, when we look at the tuck rule, you look at the, you know, the index card game, uh, all these different games. I think that you can really say that the, there's a case to be made that the NFL is against the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty like the Flores, the cliff ranch just getting in, in this next class is, out of control for me when I when you really look back at 70s receivers and who was already in and who and, and he was waiting still um so that that all checks out and to be honest like the Raiders bias that was nothing I again I'm a, I'm a Midwest guy I'd never really heard of that until I started looking into this but I always thought as a kid growing up like how is Kenny Stabler not in how is Cliff Branch not in um, Flores is someone I learned about later. I was like, how is this coach just getting in now? I, I would figure if you ask most people that follow football, they would have thought these guys were in already. So for them to just finally get in now, again, Lester might be one of those last guys from those teams. I, just while we're here on this Raider bias, is there outside of Lester, is there any other Raiders from that era that should be in consideration that really aren't getting any love? Absolutely. How much time you got? <laughs> no, there's, I mean, you've got, you've got Jim Plunkett, you've got Todd ah. Christensen, um, you've got Lester, you've got, um, there's a few more. I mean, there's uh shoot drawing a blank here, but um, what is his name? Wow. This is, <laughs> it's bad. I'm drawing a blank. I, I'm just going to come back to me, but there's a lot of guys that, that really, that really deserve to be in the hall of fame. I mean, you look at Todd Christensen, the, some of the numbers that Todd put up uh, as a tight end are just phenomenal. And 
I mean, his his single season reception record was just broken it, for the Raiders was just broken by Darren Waller two years ago. You know, and so the fact that you haven't had a Raiders tight end since then do that, that's one of the things that you look at. Um, you know, so those are those are all things where I say, you know, these are guys that should be in the Hall of Fame. These are guys that definitely should be there. Uh, and then outside of the outside of on the playing field, you've got Amy Trask, who's now a senior finalist as well, yeah. who, you know, was the first female CEO in the National Football League. Um, and not only that she was the first female CEO, but she ran that team successfully and she ran the Raiders and helped transition the move back to Oakland and, and the move to Los Angeles. So there's a lot of things that she did um, that, you know, that revolutionized the game and, and now made it a bit now made it for you know sandra douglas morgan who became the new team president for the raiders um and so those are the things that you look at and i think those are things those are people that, that really stand out for me yeah so kenny i want to go to our final segment we call this court you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth and we've been doing a lot of this throughout it's kind of you know what's the case for case against and i kind of want to start this segment off by asking you a question so when when you're a, it works for the senior nominees too, but when it's the finalists, everyone kind of gets in a room and whoever represents each team, there's a voter for each team. Then there's some at large voters, you know, they stand up right. And they give this spiel of why this person should be in the hall of fame. If that position was giving to you in, in this time around, let's say, let's, we don't know yet, but let's say Lester became a finalist and you got to stand up and say something, you know, 30 second elevator speech. What are you leading with? What, what, and again, maybe we've already talked about, but what are you leading with of why this guy needs to be in the Hall of Fame? Why is this guy a Hall of Famer? So, the way I would do it, I'd stand up to you. Let you have Lester Hayes, who has the single season interception record at 13, still has not been replicated. He was a defensive player of the year, he was a multiple Pro Bowl winner. Uh, he was multiple, he was named to the all pro team multiple times. He was two Super Bowl wins, 39 all time interceptions. And not to mention, he was second team all decade of the 1980s. Most of those, I would say 99% of those players on the list would are currently in the Hall of Fame. That 1% of, the, the, of that list is Lester Hayes. So I love, I love what you did there. And honestly, they should just pull you in if they need you. I love that you brought up the, the Hall of Fame all decade team because I wanted to get to this because I think this is the most like – aha moment if there's a voter on the edge or there's a voter talking about the stickum. So uh, every, every decade, the hall of fame, which is what we're talking about here uh, votes on, you know, who are the best, you know, who's the best team of that decade. And there'd be like two quarterbacks, uh, two running backs, cornerbacks, they do four and there's first team, second team. So the, for the eighties, as you said, Lester was a second team on that team. So the first team uh, was Mel Blunt, of course, from the Steelers. Mike Haynes, his teammate, and then Lester Hayes was on the second team uh, with Frank Minifield, who I can't say I'm too familiar with, but I will say just from a accolades and statistical standpoint, he's pretty far below Lester Hayes in terms of just ability. And this is where I, I really get lost here. So I when I looked at this, I was pretty shocked uh, Mel Blunt was here just because I think of him in the 70s Steelers. Like when I think of Mel, I think of the 70s. And he really only played, he played 57 games in the 80s. Mel Blunt's a Hall of Famer. He's better than Lester Hayes. I'm not saying that. But if I'm talking about the 80s, who are the best corners in the 80s? Mel Blunt is not an 80s cornerback to me. He's a 70s guy. You leave him in the 70s. So for me, I'm removing him off this list. So now I have Mike Haynes as a first teamer. 
and I said Frank Minifield's below, I'm moving Lester up to number to that first teamer. And you just said almost everyone on these teams is in the Hall of Fame. Every first teamer is in the Hall of Fame. Second teamers, it's hit or miss, but first teamers, Drew Pearson just got in a couple of years ago. He was the last first teamer to get in from the 70s. Every other first teamer is. I feel like they kind of got it wrong here with Mel Blunt, not because he's not deserving, but not just for this decade. So I feel it should be Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes' teammates on that first team. And if that's so, because again, Lester played 103 games in the 80s, so almost double what Mel did. I think that gives him a clear-cut case. I mean, was he the second best corner in the 80s based on this decade list? I mean, the only other guy I'd throw in the conversation would be Everson Walls out of Dallas, but I'd put Lester over him. I think he's a top two cornerback for a decade, and I think that's clear. That's kind of Hall of Fame, I mean, deserving. If you're a top two guy at your position, wouldn't you say? I would say so. I mean, I think that I think that uh, there's the case to be made for him, certainly. I don't think that there's – the argument for him not to make it in is a lot smaller than there is for the argument for him to be in. So the last thing I want to get to, Kenny, before we go to final verdict here, um, and we already talked about the Raider bias, which I want to bring up in this case against him because I think it's unfair, but I think it's prominent. The only other thing I want to say, like, Mike Haynes is his teammate, right? And again, he's on this all 80s decade team. Did he, and again, as a Raider guy, you got to let me know, like, is it a situation where, you know, he, like, if Lester, if Mike Haynes never came to the Raiders, he stayed away, and Lester was the number one corner on that team, just him, and there was a, you know, above average guy on the other side. Does that shine a little more like, like did Mike Haynes take the spotlight away from Lester a little bit where you're like, okay, the best corner on the Raiders was Mike Haynes. Lester was the other guy. Does, does being the, and I don't even want to say second fiddle because I think they were so close, but technically one's in the Hall of Fame, one's not, was technically being the second fiddle to a Mike Haynes. Do you think that hurts Lester at all? Because again, I'm looking through the years of all the teams. We said they're one of the best combos, if not the best of all time. I don't see many cornerback combos in the hall of fame together. It's one or the other, right? Do you think that hurts him at all? I think if it was another situation, it would hurt him. But I think the fact that he was putting up numbers while Mike was there, it just shows how good he was. I mean, I think that that's the thing is that a lot of people look at is the reason why we don't see a lot of tandems in, in the hall of fame is because there weren't a lot of great tandems in the national football league you had one really good corner and you had one decent corner this is a team that had two hall of fame worthy corners and i think that that's the biggest thing that you have to look at is that you know both of these guys are hall of fame worthy both of these guys have hall of fame accolades both of these guys were doing it at the same time so it wasn't like mike was doing this and lester just fell off the face of the earth both of them were playing at a very high consistent level at the same time. And that's why that defense was so good. But I think that, you know, this should be one of the first tandems in the league. And I don't, I don't know if there's, if there's any tandem that's in the hall of fame, but if it's not, they should be the first. Yeah. And the last point I wanted to make, cause you brought up the interceptions earlier, 39, 39 is a great number, but when you're looking at the hall of fame, most of the corners are in the 40s. You know, people like Dion, people like that are in the 50s. A couple of people stretch into the 60s that played earlier. And a lot of people get hung up on, we talked about it earlier, earlier and it's a lot of people point to it, it's like Stickham, right? His first four seasons, he had 25 picks. Then Stickham comes, you know, they remove Stickham. He only gets 14 in his last six years. 
And they hold that against him, right? So you, after Stickham, he only got 14. The point I wanted to make here, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me, but if you look at most cornerbacks, the Hall of Fame cornerbacks, the best cornerbacks today, most of them, the beginning of their career is front-loaded with picks, and the back half, it, it trails off because quarterbacks stay away from them. They just stay away from them. And, and I don't know, like, I feel like it's cherry-picked where, again, it's thrown, we'll stick them after that, but it's more, look at any great corner's first four or five years and look at the end and tell me there's not a big difference. And I actually went back because I was like, okay, let me make sure I'm not just talking out of my ass here. And, and, it, and it almost checks out for every corner I, I went against. And just for like younger listeners that maybe don't know a lot of people Kenny and I have been talking about because we've been talking about the 80s. Like if you look at someone like Daryl Revis, right? He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, you look at his first four years in the league, he actually only had 14 interceptions. But if you look at his last six seasons, he only he had 18 interceptions. So it was basically the same. But if you look at someone like Richard Sherman, he came out of the gate, 24 picks, first four seasons. His next six seasons, he had 14 interceptions. So there's a big drop off there for him and almost everyone else I went through. The only person that wasn't was Dion. Dion just took off after four, but that's Dion. We're not talking about exactly. Dion. That's a different, that's a Dion's different a level different of corner. Yeah. yeah, that's a different guy. Everyone else, though, I'm telling you, if you don't agree with me right now, go back and look at your favorite corner. Look at his first four or five years. Look at the back half of his career. The front half is almost always going to be more. So, again, I think that argument's flawed. And, and I think it's this, I think it's the stick them, as you said, at the very beginning, Kenny, you brought up in the very beginning. I think people hang on that stick them and they got to let that go because it was yeah. legal when he used it. It was legal when he used it. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the interceptions case is a lot different. So when you look at grading players, right, you look at it, like you said, with, with cornerbacks, they don't throw to their side anymore. It's not the same as when you look at like a defensive mm-hmm. end. A defensive end, their sack numbers are pretty much going to be consistent if you're of a Hall of Fame defensive end. You know, they can double team them, they can triple team them, they can do whatever, but that those sack numbers are going to be the same. You're going to have 10, 10, 10, 10, 15, 20, you know, those things. It's different with that. So you can't really hold that to a corner. You also have to look at, you know, the catch rate. What was the catch rate on him? What, how many times was he thrown at? How many times, you know, how many passes did he break up? How many passes were defended? Yep. You know, so there's so many other tangibles that go into that, so many different numbers that go into that, that I think that, you know, people using the, the interception numbers in case not get in, that, that's a cop-out for me. I think that's a great point. And I think the one thing that does hurt Lester, especially if he kind of stays on the senior committee for a while, Back, back when he played, right, they didn't track passes defended like they do today. They right. didn't track some of this other stuff. So, you know, if he doesn't get in for a while still and you're comparing him now to newer cornerbacks with all that data, unfair or not, you can point to, oh, well, he had this. Lester's an unknown. And I think that hurts. I mean, that hurts across all the years. And, and luckily, Sports Reference just went back in time, added sack totals all the way back to 1960 now, and that really brings some people to the forefront that you didn't really think about because they didn't have the sack totals. Now, exactly. you know, now they have that. So I don't, I don't think anyone's going to go back and look at every pass defended, you know, 20 or 30 years There's before they track that. Goes back no, and no, watch this film. <laughs> no, no one, no one's trying to do that, but still I could see that hurting Lester. Cause you're right. All those statistics matter. 
that stuff doesn't really exist for someone that played, you know, in the late seventies through, you know, the early to mid eighties, but Kenny, I want to get to our final verdict here. I, I kind of know what your answer is. I, you might know what mine is, but I ask you two questions here at the end of the show. It is one, you know, do you think Lester Hayes belongs in the hall of fame? And then my second question is maybe a little more um, up in the air, but do you think he will ever actually get into the hall of fame? Well, I think he belongs. Yes. Do I think he'll ever get into it? Yes, I do. I think it's, I would like to say that it's going to be this year. I don't know if it's going to be this year, um, but I do believe within the next three years, Lester will make that senior finalist and, and finally be into the hall of fame. I just hope that knock on wood. I hope that he's here to reserve the flowers or to, to receive the flowers while he's here, because, you know, it's sad that, uh, you know, look at cliff branch who was, you know, a great friend of the family uh, and who we weren't able to celebrate with this year, this year for him getting in. Um, and so I would love for Lester to be able to get in so we can celebrate with him the, the way that he should be celebrated. Yeah, no, the cliff branch thing is super sad. And unfortunately, probably the, one of the worst parts about the hall of fame is this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And then they get in a few years later, it happens in baseball happens in football, not as much in basketball. They usually get them in, but when it, when they're waiting and they're going to get in a couple of years later. What do you, what are we waiting for? Honestly, move exactly. some of those people up, especially if you know, their hall of fame caliber. So my answer is Kenny, uh, should he be in? I, if it's not obvious by now, yes, I believe Lester Hayes should be in. It's the, the all decade thing fits in having one yeah. of the maybe best seasons ever for a cornerback. Think of any other position in football, best quarterback season of all time, running back. Think of any best season ever and tell me, that person's not in the Hall of Fame. I promise you every position, the best season ever at that position, they are in the Hall of Fame outside of maybe like a long snapper or something. But I don't know how you justify, you know, having the best season as a long snapper. But best season ever at a corner, all-decade team, he's in for me. I, I think it's pretty clear. I'm surprised he's not in already. The Raider bias, Kenny, as you brought up, I didn't know about that early on. That might be it. Do I ever think he will get in? I do unfortunately, Kenny, I think it will. I, you're optimistic with the three years. I really hope you're right. I think it could be farther down the road, unfortunately. I just, the backlog for the Football Hall of Fame, it's, you know, intense and it's great. He's a semifinalist right now. If he if he becomes a finalist this year, even if he doesn't get, and we're no later this month, if he doesn't get in as a finalist this year, um, I'll start to get a little shaky on maybe if he does, but if he is a finalist this year, I'm sure he'll get in eventually. It's just, when will he? Because look at Cliff Branch. He waited yeah. He waited too long. I mean, he retired in what, this late 70s? Did he make it to the 80s? Or He made it to the 80s. He made it to the 80s. Okay. So he just got in. You know, maybe we're looking more at the 80s Raiders. What I hope ha- doesn't happen, what I really hope doesn't happen, Kenny, is they go, well, we just got Branch in. We put Flores in. We took care of the Raiders. Let's shift to other teams. That would be a fear of mine. I don't think it will happen like that. But I do think he gets in. I just think it could maybe be next 10 years as opposed to the next three. But we'll have a better indication later this month when we see if he's a finalist or not this year. Because, again, even if he doesn't get in this season, being a finalist right now pays dividends for the future. Certainly. Being a finalist kind of gets you that that ticket in. It, it does. So, Kenny, um, that concludes the podcast. Really appreciate you coming on. Before I get you out of here, anything you want to plug here at the end? Yeah. No, I appreciate you having me on. Um Anybody that wants to listen to my podcast, Real Talk with Kenny King, I'm available on all platforms. Um, you can also check me out if you want to be able to look it up easier. It's KennyKingJr.com. 
um, contributed with Josh, Just Blog Baby, uh, and the podcast is with Blue Wire Network. So um, check me out. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm pretty funny. Um, so even if you're not a Raiders fan, I think that you'll get you'll like some of my humor. So we'll see. <laughs> Everyone, make sure you go check out Kenny's stuff. Follow him on Twitter. And Kenny, last question before I get you out of here. So earlier in the podcast, I could have sworn, and I don't want to interrupt the flow of it, I could have sworn yeah. you said your dad was involved in one of the trades. Was I right there, or was that a name that just sounded like dad? No, I said my dad, yeah. He was uh... – Okay, wait, 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 wait. So real quick, who is your, who is your dad? I, I did not know your dad was a former NFL player. Yeah, he was, uh, he was Cliff Branches and – Lester Hayes' teammate, Kenny King, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion for the Oakland Los Angeles Raiders. Well, now I'm embarrassed. I didn't know that at the <laughs> time. Well, Kenny, shout out to your dad. And uh, now I feel very honored to have a, a Super Bowl champion Raiders son here on the podcast. So sorry I didn't I didn't want to dive into it in the middle of that, but I was no, like, it's all I, good. I was like, I could have sworn he said dad, but maybe I just misheard a name. So um, that's awesome. So yeah. Um, now I want Lester getting even more so you can all celebrate together. But well, now we um, now we can talk about making the case for him to get in too. So we might have to, right? We gotta bring you back on. Yeah, bring your dad. Um <laughs> Kenny, appreciate you coming on again, everyone. Make sure to check him out and we'll have to see what happens with Lester. But uh take care yeah. and uh have a great rest of your week. Cool, appreciate you, Jim. All right, I want to thank Kenny again for coming on the podcast. Had a lot of fun talking about Lester Hayes. It'll be interesting to see if he gets in again. July 27th, we will know if he's a finalist for the senior committee for the class of 2023. So tune in for that. Uh, that is all we have, though. So please follow, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Pot of Fame. And again, don't forget to take advantage of that stat offer. $20 off an annual subscription by using Fame at checkout. Again, that's Fame at checkout. So that ends today's episode. Have a great week. And you know we'll be here next Monday to talk to you. So see you next Monday.